Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. Today, we have an amazing success mindset coach on the show. We have David Nagel, who is the founder of the multi-million dollar global coaching company, Life is Now Inc., which actually helps thousands of entrepreneurs, experts, and self-employed professionals gain confidence and find the right mindset to increase their revenue, turning their endeavors into seven and eight-figure ventures. David is not new to the industry. He has been in the coaching and mentorship industry for about 20 years and has worked alongside some pretty big names like Bob Proctor and Tony Robbins. And he now has expanded into over 30 countries. He's been featured in Forbes, CBS, NBC, Wall Street Journal, and Fox. And he is also the best-selling author of The Millions Within, a book which focuses on intention, focus, and awareness to build your dream business life and the host of Successful Mind Podcast. David, with all you do, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. How are you? I'm great. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. I love your Instagram page. I love your approach to kind of, I think, kind of getting through the BS and keeping it real. And um, I also really love your history, kind of like how you got to where you are. So I don't know if a lot of people know this about you. I know it's on your website, but you were in like a super gnarly accident. I mean, like a a near death experience. I think you were pretty young and you said that that day was kind of when you made the decision that you wanted to change your life. So do you think that people need a, like a near death experience or some version of that for them to feel like they need to change their life? Or maybe like, what are some signs that you feel people should start reassessing to be like, you know what, I should start tweaking some things and working on getting to a different level of my life? Well, it, it's a, it's really a fascinating question that I have probably gone back and forth on a, for a long time. Well, since, I mean, it happened in 1989. So since then, um, I have met so many people and talked to them that have had a near-death experience and then consequently, what has their life been like afterwards? And the majority of them literally do have a different urgency about their life than they did prior to that. However, in talking with many successful people, I think the idea of, like, as you said, do they need a near-death experience or something like that? The something like that does kind of apply everywhere. There's always been something, some catalyst moment in a person's life where they started thinking differently, or they started taking it more seriously, or there was a different sense of urgency, or they felt a higher calling. So I think that there are events that happen, happen in people's lives. And I honestly believe they happen in everybody's life, but some people see them different than others. And I think that, um, uh, yeah, I think it's necessary to some degree that that a person pays attention to the events of their life. Because here's the thing, right? I mean, nothing has any meaning other than what we give it. So if an event happens in my life, like two people could have a near-death experience and one person could come out bitter and feel very victimized by that experience and just damn the world for the rest of their life because of because of what happened to them. And other people can come out and be grateful and go, you know what, I think I've got a higher calling. I think that there's God or the universe or something that's saying, hey, wake up, pay attention. There's something bigger here for you. But the truth is, is that that, that meaning is is taking place within the imagination of the person that's having the experience. Yeah, I think it's so important that you said the catalyst because I think sometimes it's not always 
catastrophic in the sense of like, okay, it was in an accident, but it catastrophic relative to your personal life. Like the idea yeah. that, you know, stress is subjective and what is groundbreaking or earth shattering to you, or feels like, you know, this is the point for me. I think that's important for people to hear. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I very much agree with that. Um, however, I will tell you that it is my opinion that people are born to be successful. I think that the idea of success in the forward, the forward movement and expansion of all life is built into all life constructively to, at some degree, whether it's from uh, the intelligence, the intelligence in which life is constructed or the DNA model of whatever it is that it's going to become. The one thing that we know, both from a scientific, a religious or a spiritual perspective, is that life continues, continues to expand as it moves forward. Yeah. I would, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but so how has kind of your personal definition of success changed and evolved for you from maybe when you first, you know, got into this world or even just, you know, like David 10 years ago to what success kind of means to you now? Well, one of the ways, one of the big ways that it changed for me, um, had a lot, I, I say that it, it, it probably has a lot to do with the idea that I saw, I I became more aware of more possibilities for myself as I as I began to grow. My very first goal after the near death experience, I was driving a forklift. I was a high school dropout. I had gotten married very young, had a couple of kids, and I wasn't able to live up to those responsibilities. So I had a bit of emotional moment that woke me up to do to think differently. But the goal at the time was just to get a house, right? We were living in a really bad neighborhood. Our car had been repossessed. We filed for bankruptcy. And I am and I was just like, can I just get a decent house in a nice neighborhood to raise my family? Because I would come home at the end of work and I'd be humiliated by where I was raising my children. So that was success then, right? And But as I progressed, as I moved through different levels, I became more aware of my potential. And as that potential began to unfold um, and I became aware of it, I would set then bigger and bigger goals. And of course, they went from my, my immediate need, my selfish goal, to actually how can I help other people? I mean, that did happen relatively quick, um, a few years compared to the 30 years that I've been, that I've been studying. But that's how it shifted. Wow. That's such a great message for people to hear because I think now more than ever, people play the comparison game and they see like, okay, this person's driving this car or they have this house or whatever, you know, they got this degree. And I think that is important to kind of meet yourself where you are and say like, okay, I can go from zero to one, zero to two, not have to be whatever this idea of, of overnight success, which is never overnight to right, people who right. have been doing it for a while. But also I know you talk a lot about this idea of like keeping momentum going in your life. So like, I think sometimes there's this discrepancy between motivation and discipline. So what would you maybe say to somebody who's like, okay, I don't feel like doing X, Y, Z today, or what's kind of like your, where do you like lean on like, oh yeah, motivation is, is more important or discipline, or do you need both in, in a certain time or place? <clears throat> I think motivation is a great thing. I think it's a fun thing, but I don't think it's anything that we can rely on, right? Um, people do ask me that question frequently, actually. Like, how can I stay motivated? How can I get inspired? I've lost my, my inspiration. And my response to them is generally like this. When you think of success um, for yourself, for your life, 
Do you want it just now sporadically in moments of despair or trouble, or do you really want to build a successful life? Because if you want to build a successful life, you cannot try on the principles like a coat and then take it off when it gets uncomfortable. You have to develop the discipline underneath of it that will carry you through the ups, the downs, the hard times, the good times, the times where you feel completely inspired to change the world and times where you're depressed. You don't know where you're going to turn next. Discipline comes from the root disciple, which means to be a student of. So I will always I'll tell a person, you're a student of yourself. You're a student of your potential. You're a student of what you believe you're here to do. And that takes... Um, that takes a focus and a persistence in order for that to continue to happen. And you will have great moments of inspiration and, you know, feeling magical. And you will have other moments where it's more difficult, but the discipline is what will win the day. I love that you said that. I always joke and say that like motivation is like deodorant, you know, it wears <laughs> off and you got to keep putting it on. So to your point, I think discipline goes back to your big why, your intentions, your purpose in life, like kind of what we're here for. And I know you did a post and you, you talked about this idea that if it doesn't bring you peace, profit or purpose, right, then you shouldn't give it time, energy or attention. Now, yeah. let's say, though, that somebody's kind of new into this, like they're figuring out their entrepreneur life, they're trying to maybe like jump out of the corporate world and whatever and shift. Like, would you would you be able to rank maybe that like peace, profit, purpose? They're like, okay, you know what? I can't give up profit right now, but like peace is more important. Like, could you rank those in order of importance for maybe somebody who's sort of making that transition? I don't think so. And then here's the reason why, because every person's reason for wanting to become successful to go through that transition is different. Maybe one person is doing everything they can to leave a toxic relationship and success for them is actually peace in their life at the moment. So that would that would trump everything else, uh, just being able to have that. I think it has to go into the ideal of what the person's experiencing and what it is that they want to achieve first and foremost. I do think it will expand in all of them at, at some point because we're holistic beings. You know, we, we address different areas of our life as we see that they become problematic or that we want to change them. But I don't think right from the beginning. I am a firm believer my mentor taught me something that it seems so simplistic, but it's so extremely valuable. And that was this. He, say, he said to me, David, there's two things you have to get clear on to be successful. One is you have to know where you're going, right? Now, people look at that sometimes and they think, well, I want to do my whole life's purpose. No, not necessarily. You just need to know what it is that you want in the moment. And it's perfectly okay for it to be a selfish want right? Doesn't matter what it is, because I think the universe brings everybody out into their own path with the circumstances that they find themselves in. But the more important question is where, where you are, where are you in your own growth? And that's the one that people miss the most. They just don't know where they are in their level of skill and maturity and open thinking, uh, what it is that they are comfortable with in changing in their life, because that's a big deal. Changing values and, and beliefs and rules can be a, a really big thing for a lot of people. And I, and my recommendation is that they always take a look at where am I resisting my own success? Where am I resisting being, doing, having, uh, creating in my life that is preventing me to, that moves me closer to that, to that goal. And that's where we have to start 
the most. You know, if I take you and, and drop you in a desert someplace and give you a map and say, here, walk to California, but I don't orient you to that map and tell you where you are, you may never get there. You might die wandering around in the desert for the rest of your life because you don't know where you're actually starting. So understanding where we're starting is a big deal. And I think for two years, like there were, there was a two-year period of time that I struggled after the accident where I was working uh, on a dock driving a forklift. And I recognized that I had made a huge mistake and that I quit high school. I didn't get an education, didn't really learn any skill sets that were valuable. So here I am driving this forklift. My focus was I need to make more money. So I'm looking at this problem from the only way that I had ever been taught to look at the problem, which is trade time for money. I didn't know how to make money any other way. I'm working six and a half days a week. I'm thinking to myself, I have to go back to school. I have to get an education to get out of here. So I need time and money to be able to do that, right? So this is in, this is in the, the late 80s, right? There's no internet then. I got to go back to a regular school. I can't figure out how to solve this problem. For two years, I'm trying to solve this problem. And I was completely focused on the wrong thing because I didn't understand where I was in my own growth. And one night after having a horrible day, uh, I just started sobbing in the back of this trailer and this voice in my head said to me, David, change your attitude. Now, I don't know where this voice came from, um, but the thing was, was that it told me specifically what I needed to change next in order to make any movement whatsoever. I changed three things in my attitude and my income tripled in 30 days. So it was like, as soon as I knew where I was, and I was able to begin to work in that area, I immediately saw results that for the previous two years, I had none. A matter of fact, I was going out in the reverse direction uh, toward where I was trying to get to. Yeah. Your attitude determines your altitude is a tale as old as time for sure. I think it's really great that you bring that up too, because that I, I am a really big proponent of, um, I always joke, like i grew up playing sports and I was on a lot of losing teams, believe it or not. And I always say that like, that's one of my greatest attributes is that I'm a really great loser because I think it teaches you a lot about life. And I know that you talk about this, you know, these themes that you see kind of when people are maybe having trouble growing their business or again, getting out of their comfort zone or whatever. So like, you know, maybe like fear and again, maybe those self-limiting beliefs and all of that. And I know that you even say that like not failing enough is kind of one of these like main themes that you're seeing for people. So can you maybe talk a little bit about the importance of failure and why um, it's really necessary for scaling and growing your business? Yeah. So back in the early 2000s, I was doing uh, talks where I was basically explaining that if you looked at these two separate value systems, you have a working class or a middle class value system, and you have an entrepreneurial or business value system, and that they're so different, they actually conflict with each other on almost every level. And within those value systems, one is based on safety and maintaining uh, um, a place where you don't screw up, you stay safe, you do things very responsibly, that type of a mindset. The business mindset is very different. Uh, it's about advancement forward, being everything that you can, providing value, and, and also taking risks. Within the middle class mindset, we're taught from children as we go through school that mistakes are not okay, right? It's consistently the wrong thing. If you made a mistake, 
you didn't work hard enough, you didn't study hard enough, you didn't apply yourself enough, what, you have a bad attitude, whatever it is that you were taught. You got a big red F on the paper or a D or whatever. So instead of learning how to learn from a mistake and seeing a mistake as actually something that is extremely valuable, we learn that it's something to avoid at all costs. And we're also shamed with mistakes. So we, there's something else that we learn with it. And that is that, you know, we're going to expose you making mistakes in front of the class and people make fun of you to make it as painful as possible for you not to do this. So I would be working with people that were starting businesses and they were raised the same as me. They came from the same kind of middle-class background. They had a dream. They're trying to do something and they're trying, they're, they're coming from this ideology that it has to be perfect, that they can't make a mistake and they're completely stuck. And I'm like, the reason that you're stuck is because you can't see where you need to grow because you're not willing to stretch or grow. And you need to do that because there, we, there's no way for us to learn what is it that's going to take you to the success that you want. You're creating that as you go. So we learn by data and the mistake gives us data. It tells us what decision to make next or how to make a decision differently. And people would be horrified by the idea of making a mistake. I mean, they would shake, they would, their blood pressure would go up, they would get nervous. <clears throat> and they had to really change the value that making a mistake is actually a good thing. And I remember telling people a story, this was, <laughs> I was trying to figure out, I need a metaphorical way of explaining this to people so that they would understand. And I said, you know, when you were a little baby, mistakes were fine. Mm -hmm. Nobody judged you, nobody said anything to you, you made mistakes all the way up until the point where you started walking. If you think about it, how many times you probably pulled yourself up and you fell down and pulled yourself up and fell down. No parent anywhere in the world said, oh, give it up. This kid's never going to walk. Forget it. You're a complete loser at walking. It's not going to happen. No, we got tremendous encouragement in order to be able to do that. But somewhere between walking and, you know, say the second or third grade, we start learning that mistakes are not okay. Mm -hmm. And instead of us standing in the own expression of who we are and really trying to find ourselves and learn different things, we start shutting down more and more and more. So it's, it's not that we don't have the ability to reach out and do these things inside of us. We do but we learned a behavior that is actually not productive. It's based on the idea of being safe, don't embarrass the families, you know, all of that. And of course it has historical significance to it because this is, this kept people alive, you know, hundreds of years ago, you know, you couldn't speak out against the king or the whatever, they would, they would burn you at the stake type of an ideal. So it had a serviceability at one time, but just not, and just not anymore. Yeah. I forget who said it, but they, they were talking about the idea of like, if you want to get successful, then you need to double your rate of failure basically, or this idea yeah. of like failing forward, because that's ultimately where you do learn to make pivots. Or again, like, I know you talk about like being cautious of your thoughts, but you know, I, I think you even, I think you said that on one of your posts, like it's what's going on between your ears. That's the issue. So how can somebody maybe get out of that mindset where if that's what they've been programmed to do of being like, failure, I got to avoid it, or I'm fearful of this. Like, how does somebody even start to take it? Was it like, you know, a book for you? Is it working with a mentor? Is it working with a coach? What advice would you give to somebody? I think it would, I think it was books and a mentor. Um, I had a mentor that, that 
basically taught me how to think. So the way that this person taught me how to think was not them telling me what to do. He gave me a set of rules basically to think by. And like, here is a way to actually use your mind. But then he put me into the situation without telling me what to do. But he, but he gave me the tools to learn how to think about it. And one of them is a universal law called the law of polarity, which basically states that everything in the universe has an opposite and it's equal and opposite. So you cannot have a problem without a solution. But if you, if you just stay where you are, you'll never find out any information about how to get to that solution. So one of the ways to learn how to think was that whatever it is that you're experiencing, there's another side to this. There's more information about this. There's an opposite to whatever you're experiencing. And when you flip your mind around to thinking about it from a different perspective, you can actually start to begin to see what that is. Because most people, when they would run into that situation, instead of going, how can I figure this out? How can I uh, how can I get, how can I get this right by actually moving on the mistake itself? They would just completely freeze. <laughs> and there was another. There was, here's an interesting thing. Also, I did a lot of research back in the day on businesses that failed, and what I found was that they actually most of the businesses didn't fail. Like something happened to them, people quit. They got to a place where they lost their resourcefulness, right? And really what that is, is I'm afraid to make a mistake. I'm afraid to do something that's uncomfortable, so I'm no longer resourceful. And they ended up having to fold their tent and that's how they would go out of business. What would you say to somebody who's maybe on the brink of that or they're like, I cannot keep enduring this. I wanna quit. Like I'm really, I got one foot out the door. Is there something that maybe you experienced younger in your career or something that you would say to you know your younger self that has probably, I think every entrepreneur has had that conversation with themselves and they're like, you know what? I gotta fold it up. I gotta this, I gotta close down shop. So being stuck, right? Being stuck in a situation Nowhere in nature do we find this uh, as an issue. Like animals don't get stuck, plants don't get stuck, everything continues to move forward. But human beings get stuck in the, the craziest ways. And one of the reasons they get stuck is because they don't know how to think out of the situation. They, they, they get in a situation for whatever the reason is, they start resisting doing anything different. It could be that they're afraid to be embarrassed or somebody's going to see them or they have to admit that they were wrong or they have to ask for help even, right? So I ask them, what are you resisting being, doing, or having that's keeping you in this situation that you can't seem to figure out? Because the answer absolutely has to be there. And it's as close to you as your breath. You just have to stop resisting whatever that is. And then sometimes I have to walk them through whatever that might be. But they're, if they're willing, they're always able to turn it around immediately. So I know you you talk about the law of non-resistance. Can you explain that a little bit more for people who have never heard about that before and maybe how that can be applicable to other areas of life besides just entrepreneurship? Yeah, so one of the ways that I like to I like to uh, give somebody a visual with this is most people are taught to go through life pushing a ball uphill. Like we're taught sacrifice is good, you have to suffer through it, you've got to work hard. And it's not that hard work is a bad thing, but when it becomes um, the mindset of the way that you approach something, you actually end up making everything difficult. Picture a mattress, right? And you take a bowling ball and you set a bowling ball right in the middle of the mattress. The bowling ball has weight. It's being pulled down by gravity. There's a little divot in it. 
it takes a tremendous amount of energy to push that ball in the direction that you want to go. But if I come from the idea of non-resistance, what I want to do is I want to remove the resistance in front of the problem and make the ball come to me. If I go push down on the mattress in any direction, that ball is immediately going to roll right toward me with no resistance whatsoever. So the idea is if you remove the resistance in front of either yourself or the thing that you're doing, you will draw it right to you. I mean, that's the way the universe was designed in order for life to get the things that it needs. It actually, they actually come together. But when we were taught to work for a living, like when we trade time for money, we're literally pushing we're resisting against all the good in the universe that is there for human beings, but animals don't do that. It's the it's the wildest thing. But when somebody gets it in their mind, they're like, oh, so I have to approach this from a way so that something actually starts coming to me. And when they get that, everything begins to change in their life. It actually becomes easier. It really does. I love that. Yeah. I know Buddhist philosophy talks a lot about this idea of like, you know, if you're trying to hold water, you know, and you have your hand open, people try to grab it and you can't, and it eludes you. And it's the second that you open up your hand, the water, you know, flows into your life. And then, you know, we make things harder than it has to be. But I mean, you obviously deal with a lot of, you know, helping people with their mindset, which is, you know, I think important, especially because there's days again, where your feelings don't always matter. Your mind is really important. And I talk a lot about this idea of like, you know, pro-inflammatory people and pro-inflammatory thoughts in your life, which is, you know, I think really important to audit and assess. And I know that you've talked about this idea of like, you have to take some roads alone. And entrepreneurship is definitely not for everybody because it can get lonely and, um, you know, everybody can't kind of ride that elevator of success with you. So like, how can you start to decipher or how important is it to really be like, I have to start looking at the people that are, you know, maybe on this elevator with me and I need to maybe get them off. And maybe I do need to be alone for a little bit in this journey and like in that impacting your mindset. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's very important, one of the hardest questions for any individual to answer is what do you really want? Um, I've been asking people that question for almost 30 years now, and I'm I'm floored at, at still just how difficult it is for a person to answer this. And I think part of it comes from the idea when you're a little kid, you're taught you can't have everything that you want, right? Um, you're taught you you have this dualistic relationship with money. It's a like a necessary evil type product in our life. So when I'm working with somebody, I want them to get very clear on what they want. And for, for many different reasons, but in the way that you're asking me this question, the idea is basically this. Not everybody in your life can support you in what you want and where you're going, but it's your responsibility to know the difference. So how you interact with those people is very much dependent upon what it is that you want from that relationship. A lot of times people have a great vision for themselves and they have a family that does not know how to support them. They have absolutely no idea. And they get, they get very upset that the family pushes back a tremendous amount. And I say to them, why do you share these things with those people? They cannot understand what you're doing, what you want, or why you even want it. You have to find people that have the ability to be able to share that with you and contribute to your life on that level. So it's not always about letting people go. Although I do think most people, when they start to go down this road, there is a little housekeeping 
cleaning that they have to do, right? It's different. Everybody's a little dysfunctional, but toxicity has to go. You can't have that. You can't have anybody that's intentionally not for you uh, in your life. You just can't tolerate it. And we've been taught to tolerate that in many different ways. I mean, people will work a whole career doing something that they don't like with people that they don't like just for a little bit of money and a false sense of security. So my idea is you get rid of the toxic, you learn the difference, you share, you, you mature enough to be able to share with people that you can contribute to their life, they can contribute to, to your life. And if you have people in your life that don't have the ability to do that, then you become the giver. Mm-hmm. You meet them at their level, right? You try to work with them on what they need and you understand they, they can't give you what you need on the level of where it is that you're going at that point in time. Wow. That is so important, I think, for people to hear because I think we've gotten to this world where people are very quick to be like, you're a narcissist or you're toxic or whatever, right? Like this is, everybody is doing that these days, which is great. You know, it's brought light to these subjects that are heavy, but I think that's a very important line to draw of like, is this dysfunctional? Because again, we all have our own, you know, like little things going on, or is this actually toxic and negatively contributing to my life? That's right. Yes. And, and we do have a mental illness issue, you know, that, that we still don't address very well. So it, it is, it is flagrantly irresponsible for people to just point a finger at somebody and say that person's a narcissist when a narcissistic, um, you know, a cluster B disorder is a very serious, very serious thing. It's not to be tossed, tossed around lightly. And unfortunately we do a tremendous amount of, of that. You're right. Absolutely. And at some point you have to also take responsibility of saying, I allowed this and I participated. So what's going, what's going on with me that this is my pattern as well. So, um, I know that you obviously have the podcast, you have the book, you have the summits, and I want you to talk about that when we wrap up the show a little bit. And I would love to talk to you all day, but your time is super valuable. So I want to ask a fun, like some fun little rapid fire ish questions. Um, and then you can tell everybody like how they can, you know, work with you and follow you and all that good stuff. So you're, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So you really are great at helping answer questions that people have like common life questions all the time. Is there a life question that you find yourself that you continuously ask yourself to this day that you maybe struggle with or kick around? It's a question that's kind of like always popping up. Um, the biggest question that I have that I that I struggle with is how do we change the toxicity that uh, social media has brought into our culture? I think it's a I think it's very very dangerous. Yes, I'm and very worried for where it's going to keep going. Yes, yes, me too, me too. Well, I'm sure you'll be able to help people get their mindset out of that in future summits to come. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> Okay. So what would you say was the first big life win that you had that really changed the trajectory of your life or kind of gave you the confidence that you needed to like step into, you know, and the next level of David? It was that story of tripling my income in 30 days when I was driving the forklift that changed everything in my life. That experience. I went from being completely stuck, not knowing what to do, consistently losing everything, the house, the car, we had to move in the middle of the night. Um, I was constantly getting in trouble where I worked. 
And in 30 days, my entire life changed and the meaning in my life changed because I became so curious as to how this could happen that it now took somebody who didn't want to study at all through all my years in school. And I became a voracious reader at that point because I was looking for answers that I was so various, so very curious about. That's the incident that changed it. Hell yeah. The more you learn, the more you earn, as Warren Buffett yeah. likes to say. Even more so, even more so than the near-death experience. The near-death experience woke me up to the idea that we don't have as much time as we may think we have, mm. right? And none of us really know for sure how much we have. That gave me a sense of urgency, but no direction. This gave me direction. Wow. That's also really important. Urgency versus direction. You yeah. should put that on like a coffee mug, like <laughs> tomorrow for sure. Okay. So I'm really big on, uh, I think a lot of my listeners are as well. Like, you know, call it an affirmation. I call it like the bumper sticker version of your life, a mantra, whatever you want to do. So is there kind of a bumper sticker or a mantra or an affirmation that you have for yourself when you're having an off day or maybe, you know, one or two little mental health hacks? I, I don't love hacking your mental health, but for when you are feeling stuck. Yes. What is the truth in this? Ooh. What is the truth in this? So there, I have a couple. One of them is how can I help this person? So for years, I wanted to program myself to think automatically whenever I was around anybody, how could I help, right? How could I, how could I give? And then uh, my, um, my CEO, Steph, and I were having this conversation many years ago. And we were talking about how we're always helping. Because one of the things we would tell people is, what is the truth in this? We were getting to focus on what's the truth. Here's the drama. What's the truth? Here's the problem. What's the truth, right? And I, it, it just hit us one day that we were going to change our main question in our, our internalized for ourselves, and it became what is the truth in this? So there was no opportunity to go back into a past paradigm or drama or future contingency, but just specifically train ourselves to find the truth in everything that we're doing. Wow, that needs to be on a t-shirt or a sweatshirt as well. So we're making a whole David merch line, like coming out spring 2023. Anyway. Very good. Okay. What is uh, the last either book, podcast, movie that you consumed that you learned something new from or that you've adopted into your life? Good question. What was the last, what was the last book? Hang on. I'll, I will tell you. I will tell you. I know reading is a lost art these days, you know, for people to sit down and actually open up a book and smell the pages. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do a lot of that. Um, let me see here. The last book, the book, one book that I just finished was Endure by Cameron Haynes. Okay. Um, and, it, and the guy's just absolutely fantastic. He's on, he's on Rogan all the time. I always have a bunch of books going. Um, was there something that you that stuck with you from that book that you were like, yeah, that was pretty awesome. I'm really glad. I can't unlearn that now. Yeah, his, well, the idea, in his book, the idea of endure is to be willing to do what's difficult no matter what in order to get the result that you're, that you're going for. But I'll tell you that one of the book, one of the most powerful books I've ever read that, has, that changed my life and many others is called Trust by Alanya Van Zant. Wow. This book, why this book was not a bestseller and it like a, hardly anybody has ever heard of it. I mean, most people know her work. This is the crowning jewel of that woman's work, this book, Trust. It teaches you, it's mastering the four essential trusts 
trust in self, God, others, and life. Right. And it's, I mean, it, it is phenomenal. I teach from it all the time. I will be Amazon priming that tonight. Very good. Okay. Last two questions. And then you can tell everybody uh, where okay. they can find you and work with you and all that. I love this question. Okay. What is the lesson that took you the longest to learn, but had the biggest ripple effect in your life? Relationships, personal relationships. Okay. Personal, personal relationships. I had, uh, um, I had two very difficult marriages, right? So I was married for 20 years, had four children and did not understand what the problems were within these, within that relationship. And then when I found out that there was some mental illness going on in one, because I mean, I wasn't raised with knowing anything about that. I didn't understand the level of toxicity. Uh, I thought I learned it and I actually got into another one that had the same pattern that was just completely different. So I didn't recognize it. So it took me about 26, 28 years to learn that and be, and to begin to unravel that in my life because I found out that my mother had it, my grandmother had it, like I was raised in it. So it seemed normal for me. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. Patterns, they give us so much insight when we finally can see where they come from. Very much so. Okay. So then your final question, what is one piece of either career, life, or relationship advice you would like to give to your younger self or wish you had heard earlier in life? Uh, uh, so honest to God, the only thing, and I, I do struggle with like, would I actually change this or not? Um, but the one thing that if I was going to change something, it would it would be to go back and and understand my intimate relationships better before I picked a life partner. That's what it would be. I had no comprehension of just how much trouble you can create for your entire life by picking the wrong life partner. I love that even, you said even that. Even if it doesn't last, even if the marriage doesn't last, it has a ripple effect for the rest of your damn life. And I did just did not realize how much of a consequence there was built into that. I say that all the time that the partner that you choose colors literally every aspect of your life. So yep. people it's like, it's a 50 year conversation. I'm like, no, it influences your mental health, your physical health, your financial health. I mean, a lot going on. Right. So I love that. I love to, I love to hear that, especially from a mindset master. <laughs> That's it. That would be it. So how can people get more of you? Like, you know, plug the podcast. I know you're really active on Instagram, your website. I know you have some summits, yeah. like let the people know. Really, if they go to the podcast, they, that's a place where they can get a taste of everything. It doesn't cost them anything. And they can be, they can be currently up to date on everything that we're doing. The Successful Mind Podcast. And uh, Steph has actually been coming in with me now lately, and we're co-teaching on that podcast, and there's lots of fun things that are developing there. So the great thing is, is that you get a, you can, you can sample every single thing that we do to see if it's a good fit for you, and you be kept up to date on everything that we're doing. I love that. And you're also very active on YouTube. You have quite the following on YouTube as well, and your videos are great. Yeah, thank you very much. And um, what website or Instagram that people, is that kind of where you live the most is Instagram? <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot going on on Instagram. That's David underscore P underscore Nagel uh, on Instagram. And the uh, website is davidnagel.com. Love it. And that will all be in the show notes for all of you. David, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your amazing insight to life and mindset. I really appreciate everything about this conversation today. 
Thank you very much for having me. All right. Have a good one. You too. Ciao.